Thank you for joining us for today's podcast. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using our ministry to impact lives. So if you have a story to share, please email us at impact at jfc.org. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, go to jfc.org and click on the Give tab so that we can keep providing messages just like this one to you every week. We're in our current series, Faith, where we're walking through what it looks like to trust God no matter the circumstances. Thank you so much for joining us. guys are too kind. <laughs> Thank you. And I even got called one of your favorites. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that, too. Um, yeah, I'd never seen this intro until this second. And for sure, it just, uh, yeah, warmed my heart. And uh, yeah, this is a big day for me. And I probably get choked up a few times. <laughs> Some, I, uh, they said since the brain accident, I get uh, more uh, sensitive than normal. <laughs> and a lot of girls have said, good. <laughs> and so, yeah, but, um, yeah, very much. Uh, not o- over the years, this has been my family. This has been my home. Uh, I've been able to come through so many times. Such good friendships and relationships. And so grateful for, yeah, this a place where I've been here and shared my heart as I travel all over the world with YWAM. But then, yeah, this special time in my life for now eight months ago when, uh, yeah, I had this accident, which I'll be telling the story today. But then I ended up uh, three months or two and a half months at Craig. And during that time, so many of you came to visit me. Thank you. <laughs> And so many of you came and even brought nice things. And uh, just to know your prayers and to know that you were behind me meant so much to me. And thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm just so honored to be back here and just to share my heart with you. And it is such a privilege to be here. Uh, Yeah, I was not supposed to be here. (laughs) Not here, anywhere. (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, God is good. God is really good. I'm coming from our YWAM training center in Kona, Hawaii. And just a brief snippet of what's going on in YWAM. God is doing good things. Uh, just last Thursday, uh, standing in front of our, we call it an open meeting, we had 37 new recruits that are going long-term overseas into missions. First time we've had that, that many at one, at one go. We are starting new YWAM bases uh, very soon now in Berlin, working with the refugees that have come from the Middle East. In Dubai, we're sending a team to Dubai. We're sending a, a, a long-term team to Nepal and also in Turkey. And it's just so exciting that we're able to send not only our short-termers, which we love as well, but now many are going longer term. And that's actually really hit home in my own family as my own nephew, who's 20, has been with us for two years, and now he's moving to Dubai. <laughs> oh my, that's awesome. And uh, we just had my niece come through, which was so much fun. I hadn't been able to spend a lot of time with her as she has lived most of her life in India. And she just did our DTS and went on outreach to Berlin and was able to see so many refugees come to Jesus there. And so, yeah, that's just a nutshell of what's going on there in Kona, in YWAM. We're in a really good place. Yeah, just grateful for who God is. And YWAM in general is doing really, really well. And many of you I know are associated with YWAM, heard about YWAM. Our full-time numbers now, someone said it's up to 30,000. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> And it's awesome, you know, and it's just, yeah, very releasing all over the world, serving in all kinds of capacities, and it's very much what YWAM is up to. Well, those of you who know me, which I know as many of you, I've been serving now with YWAM for 30 years, and uh, that started uh, <clears throat> just working in Afghanistan for 10 years, and then I was uh, imprisoned in Iran, which I've shared here a few times. And I got out, which you probably can figure. <clears throat> and then uh, for the last 15 years or so, I've been primarily working in the place of teaching. And in YWAM and in the body of Christ and encouraging, teaching simple discipleship things, encouraging people to walk with God. And with that has come a lot of traveling. And God has opened so many doors. I remember like eight years ago. I felt one day God speak really clear to me, but by the time you're 50, you're going to have spoken in over 100 nations. And I thought, not going to happen. <laughs> ah. One month before my 50th birthday, I got to speak in Mongolia, which was my 100th nation. <clears throat> That's who God is. We give our little bit to God and watch out. That's what he loves to do. And as my life was just going on, serving in different capacities, uh, last summer, uh, me and my friends were talking about, let's go on a special hike. Uh, Hawaii does have special hikes available. And yeah, we weren't really sure where. And we were encouraged to go to one called the Nepali Coast, which is in Kauai. And through a long discussion, I finally gave in. And my two friends said, yeah, let's go. And so we said, okay, we'll do it. 
and it was an 11-mile hike that we were going to go on. Everything came together, and we went over. And the two guys who came with me, one of them, uh, his name is Caleb, and he very much is uh, my hero today, as he was one of the two that saved my life. And then there was Daniel, his friend, who was also one of those who saved my life. And so what I'm going to tell you at the beginning of my story is basically stuff that's uh, been told to me as I lost five weeks of memory during that, that time. Long story short, after being there three miles into the hike, I fell. And I fell over 30 feet. And I'm all unconscious during this time. Daniel ran three miles back downhill to find a sheriff to find a helicopter to get me out, which was the only way to get out. I have no idea how he did that. He definitely saved my life. And then my nephew ended up running downhill to where I was, uh, those 30 feet, and he was able to hold my head together as I had been bleeding from my head because I'd been, I had hit my head against the stone. And it was that <clears throat> act that the rescuers, once they got there, said, oh, man, if you hadn't have done that, he wouldn't still be here. And again, my nephew saved my life. I was rushed to the nearest hospital, which was in Honolulu, and it was there that I was put on the operating table, and they closed up my head, and that's when the doctor came out, and he said, we regret to tell you that I couldn't save him. He lost over 60% of his blood, and <clears throat> he'll have less than an hour to live. And today, I'm here. <laughs> Woo, it gets me. It's good, though. It's good. God is amazing. I was unconscious for about 14 days. And every day, a nurse or a doctor would come into my family, and they would say, we, we don't want to, you know, be a damper, but we just want you to know that most likely Dan will not make it through the night. So the chance or the, the, the good sign that I would probably die kept going and going through probably about two weeks. As I look back at this experience, I have at least seven quantifiable miracles that you can't even say anything other than God. <laughs> and after those first 14 days, out of the blue, this right leg started to twitch. As this leg started to twitch, then this leg started to twitch. My family is freaking out. They had all flown in during that time. As they see the monitor starting to go crazy, which is a good thing, as I was in ICU with all these tubes and things hanging off me, I saw pictures later. I'm like, wow. And all of a sudden, life started to come back. At first, it came very, very slowly, um, just a few movements. My speech did not come back for about three and a half weeks. And during that time, the talk was, yeah, still very serious. Like, even if Dan survives, is he going to be in a vegetable state the rest of his life? Like, what is the prognosis of an actual brain injury um, where I had uh, suffered a major brain injury, mostly in the cerebellum area, and where, where is he going to end up after this injury? 
And no one knew. The doctors didn't know. No one knew. And life went on. And as it went on, I started to have slow improvements. I remember my first words. <laughs> and someone told me later, my first words is, I want to go to Kona. <laughs> and uh, that's where I had lived for the last 10 years. And the doctor said, that's good, that's good. They're like, what do you mean? He's here and he needs care. And they're like, no, no, no. The first thing a, a brain patient would say is, I want to go home. So for him to say, I want to go to Kona, it's like he's saying, I want to go home. And uh, yeah, so that was a sign of life for them. That, no, he's coming back, he's coming back. And I remember writing down my first thing on a piece of paper that I, uh, I could write because at first my speech wasn't really working. And I wrote the word food. <laughs> and then I wrote the word now. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> They brought me food. Uh, and life went on. As life went on, it became obvious that I needed rehab. And uh, that rehab was the only way to go forward. And so we began to do our research across the United States. Little did we know that here in Denver was the number one brain rehab center in the USA. And it was run by Dr. Weintraub, who would be a well-noted, probably the number two most well-noted uh, brain surgeon in the USA. And I got to be number 93 on a waiting list. <laughs> and I got in. <laughs> I have no idea how. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. After those many weeks of no memory at all, what was my first memory? Two days before I came here, I had a visit from the founder and the president of YWAM, Lauren Cunningham, who is currently living in Kona, Hawaii. And he came over with his wife. And the amazing thing about that day is that he actually came and saw me at 10 in the morning, and I have no memory of that time. But what happened was later in the day, about 4 o'clock, as he was shopping before his flight back to Kona, he felt, him and his wife felt, they should come visit me in the hospital a second time. And as they came in, I felt from the Lord that you need to go downstairs and sit in the lobby for a while. Every time I left my room, I was always in a wheelchair. I found someone. I said, can you take me to the lobby? As I walked or was rolled into the lobby, that's when Lauren came. And that's where things happened. They're like, can we sit with you for one more second? I said, sure. And that's when Lauren Cunningham sat down. He said, Dan, I think it's good that you go to Denver. And I think it's right that you go to rehab. As you go there, God's going to break you. And that's going to be okay. And then I saw some switch on his face as I've seen so often in his life. He's like, Dan, but I want you to know, Satan is trying to kill you, but he will lose. He will lose. And when this time is over, Dan, you will travel farther than you've ever been. You will speak to more people than you ever have. You will be more anointed than you've ever been in your life. 
Because God is going to use this and, and give a testimony through your life of how good God is. And Satan's going to try to kill you. And he's lost. Uh. Yeah. And throughout my time here in Denver at rehab, and ever since my time here, so many days I wake up and I'm like, remember Uncle Lauren? <laughs> remember Uncle Lauren? And yeah, I have that reality in my heart that, yeah, one day things would be better. So I went to rehab here, and as I got here in any rehab situation, you don't backtrack, but you got to get everything kind of straight before they start rehab medically. And uh, before that, I, I was kind of like this with my brain situation, ups and downs. And what they really wanted was to try to find a place where your brain could be more steady. And so when I came, I was taken to the third floor, and immediately I was there, put onto my bed, but because they were afraid of me falling down, I was kind of tied down into the bed. And as I was tied down in the bed, there was a netting around the bed. And at that time, this leg did not work at all. This leg didn't work at all. This right arm didn't work at all. And I was basically stuck there in that bed. I'll never forget that first night. As I lied there in that bed, all of a sudden it hit me that I could lie in this bed the rest of my life. And as I lied there, I looked up to God and I said this to God, and my heart broke. And I'm like, God, what are you doing? I gave you my life, and I haven't been maybe perfect, but I gave you my life a long time ago. And throughout my life, I haven't demanded much. There's only one thing I've demanded or asked for, and it's simply this, and that is that I could walk. And now it's taken away. What's up? And as I shared that, all of a sudden I could see this pride and this ugly side of me come out. And I could see, yeah, that truly... I needed to break because there was pride and ugliness in there. And I just released it to God. The next day, out of the blue, I'm lying alone in my bed, and God spoke to me. And I felt like God speak right to my heart. He's like, Dan, hi. <laughs> I said, God, I'm not really interested to talk right now. He said, oh, just give me a second. I'm like, what? He said, I just want to let you know I like you. And I think you're really cool. And God got me. And he got me right there. And as I just wept, I remember weeping that whole 24 hours into the night, weeping before God. And I gave my heart back to Jesus. I said, God, I don't understand. I don't understand why this has happened. I don't understand why I wouldn't walk the rest of my life. But you are worthy. You're worthy, and I gladly give you my life again. If I never walk again, you're still worth it. And I give you my life. 
And as soon as I said those words, the peace and joy of the Lord flooded my soul. What we've known in our lives, it came back, and there was peace and joy in my heart. And it's been there ever since. The next day, one of our nurses came in. I had many nurses and physical therapists. This was a physical therapist. His name was Wes. And uh, yeah, he was a shorter guy, but he's very jacked. You could tell this guy works out. <laughs> and uh, he came in, a younger guy. And he comes in, and I'm lying in the bed, and he goes, Dan, I got a proposition. I said, what's that? He said, by that time, my speech was getting better. He said, if you give me four months of your life, I'll get you walking again. I said, whatever. <laughs> I, you know, and I was hoarsely joking, but I smiled at the guy, and I'm like, are you kidding? Look at me. This don't move, this don't move, this don't move, this don't move. Actually, this did move, <laughs> but the, these three didn't. I said, I can't even move, and I'm tied here in this bed. I can't do anything. He said, no, 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 Dan, it will be hard. There will be a lot of work, but he give me four months. I promise you, you'll be walking again. And I looked at him and I said, why me? There's all these other patients. Why are you saying that to me? And then he looked at me and he said this. He said, sir, I want you to know I've read your papers. I've looked at your history. And I'm not a religious man like you are. But I've looked at your life. And I've seen where you've gone all over the world and spoken all over the world and helped a lot of people. And it would be my honor to get you walking again so that you can walk farther than you ever have. And it would be my honor to get you there. Oh. <laughs> and I looked at him and I'm like, Wes, you got me. He's like, is that a yes? I said, oh, yeah, it's a yes. He's like, when do we start? I said, right now. <laughs> He's like, okay, get in the wheelchair. I'm like, I can't move. <laughs> He's like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. <laughs> and he calls a nurse, and they got me into that wheelchair. And one and a half hours a day, I started rehab with him. I also had about six or seven hours with other nurses and practitioners with speech, with mind stuff, and other areas of rehabilitation. Wes was about an hour and a half a day. And about six weeks later, I look at him, and he goes, uh, your wheelchair, uh, you won't be needing that anymore. I'm like, whatever. And he's like, no, I'm serious. You can give it to me. He's like, I got you this walker. So I got this walker. And about two weeks later, he looks at me and goes, let's go for a walk around the third floor, which was my home at that point. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, yeah, I'm happy to go for a walk. Just can you get me my walker? He goes, uh, you don't need the walker. I'm like, are you kidding? 
He goes, no, you can hold on to me if you need it, but I think you're good enough to where you can actually walk. And I could walk on my own again. Come on. Yeah, and so many amazing nurses and doctors and so many amazing stories of God's goodness. So many friends from here that came by and Jesus met me. I could say many things, but for sure this is true. The best time in my life with Jesus was there in that hospital. Jesus met me in my lonely state, thinking I would be there possibly the rest of my life. I was told by the head doctor that you will be here a minimum of nine months. After six weeks, he comes up to me and said, Sir, you've had such a fast uh, getting better reality um, that we have to change when you're leaving and you're actually going to leave after two and a half months. And he said it was the fastest uh, healing patient he'd ever worked with. It was the best time of my life with Jesus. I had my phone, which was a crazy miracle how I even had my phone. I had an iPhone 6 Plus, and it, uh, I lost it on the fall, apparently. Anyway, about two weeks later, a German tourist walking on that same trail where I had fallen was walking along, someone I didn't know, and he had to stop and take a leak. And he... <laughs> Nature calls, what are you going to do? And he goes off the trail and he uses the restroom, just a side place in a bush. As he's taking uh, a leak, he looks to the left and upside down is an iPhone 6 Plus in a bush. He looks down and he pulls it out. To his shock, he presses the button on the top right and it boots up. It goes right to the security page. And then he has this thought, maybe he's a stupid American. <laughs> and then he presses four zeros. And that's what I had. <laughs> I had to laugh. And then it boots up, and then he goes to recent, recent calls. There was one with Mark, the guy who hosted us the night before, 15 minutes away from there, friend of ours. And so he calls him up. Yeah, I got an iPhone for a Daniel Bauman. <laughs> He's like, you do? How did you find it? He goes, I don't know, you know. And the next day they met, and they sent it to me in Hawaii. They're in Honolulu. And so my whole time here in Denver, I was able to contact people with texting and with messages. And then I had my whole music on there as well. And every day I just got to worship God. And yeah, God met me in those lonely moments. Those moments where, you know, you have a lot of questions. Where what's really going on, you know? And all I can say is the love of God was real. And the love of God touched me again and again and again. One day, one of the nurses came and said, Yeah, Dan, I'm thinking today to give you, every day was different activities. Today I'd like to give you a massage on, your, on this side. Now when I fell off the cliff, this whole left side had been pretty much damaged down to my legs. Mostly in the face, but also this side. And as a part of that, seven ribs had broken. 
And I said, well, do you know about the ribs? And she goes, oh, you're worried about the ribs. Don't worry. I just looked at the papers last night, the latest x-rays, and your seven broken ribs are totally normal. I'm like, can you say that once more? And she's like, yeah, your seven ribs are normal. I'm like, that's good to know. <laughs> and yeah, again, one of the many miracles that God did. And she was able to work on this side. And today, yeah, I have full movement, you know, on this side. And, uh, and on and on things go. Another wonderful moment there. I had uh, one of the doctors there was actually a Christian, a missionary doctor from the Congo. And uh, the day he came in was also the day I'd just been in uh, the bathroom looking in the mirror. And on that day, I started to see a twitch in this side. And I didn't know what it was, but I saw it like five times. So when he came in, I said, I got a question. He's like, what's that? I said, there's been a twitch on this side of my face. And again, my face was basically like this. He said, well, Dan, for different reasons, we just want to keep your emotions at bay. We don't tell you everything exactly that's happening. But since you asked, yeah, I can tell you that in your face, you've busted the seventh nerve. And that historically has a way of reconfigurating or rehealing itself. It attaches itself to your brain, and within one year, we're expecting the whole left side of your face to be totally normal. I'm like, that's good news. Uh, and so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at today. I got my dimples back, um, as it's been eight, eight months now, and I've got a little thing here that I had before. And yeah, it's been pretty steady, this sense of healing on this side of my face. And uh, I had a busted eye as well situation. Little did I know that my doctor was good friends with a Dr. Hawes, which was right down the street from Craig, the number one plastic surgeon for eye care in the USA. And he's right here. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know him? He's like, yeah, I know him. <laughs> And uh, long story short, he did two operations on me, and uh, my eyesight is now back to normal. It's still not a 100% uh, the configuration around as he had to close it so that I could close my eye better. But now I'm actually going next Thursday to see him, and he'll probably be able to release a stitch because the closing of the eye is totally normal now. As over time, yeah, God has just healed it. And uh, I guess they say the closing of the eye was, is, is uh, connected to you need an ointment. You need lubrication every night. That's why our eyes close. And since that wasn't happening, your eye can dry out. And that's why he was so involved. But it's, yeah, it's getting better. And so then, and I'll never forget my last day there. It was amazing. October 7th, saying goodbye to all the doctors and nurses. And Dr. Weintraub came up to me. And as he came up to me, he's like, Dan, I got a question for you. I'm like, sure. He's like, why do you live in a convent? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I don't live in a convent. <laughs> he's like, oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I don't know where he got that idea, but that's funny. 
why when is, yeah, we live in communities, it's not a convent. So. <laughs> and then he looks at me and he said this, such a wonderful man. He's like, Dan, you're from Kona. I like Kona. In fact, I visited sometimes. Give it about nine months, ten months, I'm going to show up in Kona. I'm like, you are? I'd be such an honor to see you. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to come see you, but not as your physician, as your friend, so we can walk around and enjoy life. <laughs> and I'm like, ah. And, yeah, that got me weeping again. And on and on. I got to say goodbye to all the doctors. Wes was the most, yeah, heart-wrenching, heart as he was the man who got me walking again. And I went back to Kona. I've been in Kona ever since. I had a wonderful doctor there who's helped me. And he's really pushed me in this place of risk. He's like, Dan, I, used to, I fell off a horse once as a kid, and I broke a lot of bones. And they told me once I healed, oh, don't get back on a horse. But some other people were like, no, you got to get back on the horse. And that's where we get our saying, get back on the horse. And he pushed me. He's like, Dan, as you're getting better and better, why don't you start slowly doing things you used to do? So I've already made a, a, a trip down to South Carolina over Christmas. I've already been to Thailand. And I got to fly to Thailand and meet all of our workers gathered in January for a conference. And then, uh, yeah, to go to home churches. And the first church I wanted to come was Jubilee. <laughs> So, yeah. And then it allows me on Monday to go back and visit Craig. And I can't wait. So I called Craig a few weeks ago and said, when I left, there was some mention about a six-week checkup. And he said, oh, Dan, that's not with us. That's with, you know, this other eye place that you went to. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, when you were released from Craig, you were in such a good place that we wanted you to know that you do not need to come back for a checkup. You are fine. And yeah, so I'm going in on Monday to say hi. <laughs> and so that's, worth, that's wonderful. And yeah, this has been my journey. Another wonderful journey back home. My first month was in Honolulu, and because I had memory loss, I'd kind of told my family, don't tell me too much about it. But uh, anyway, now I started to find out about it, and I was uh, talking to my mom one day, and I'm like, well, let's start. I want, I want to hear about the beginning. They're like, what do you want to know? I'm like, what about the money? <laughs> you know, and I'm thinking in my mind that I'm going to sit with a 40-year bill once a month for all the insurance costs that I didn't really have that well and the things that I had to pay for and on and on. And then my mom started to cry. I said, Mom, what's up? She's like, well, we never told you, Dan. <clears throat> but on day six, when you're unconscious and you're there, all the major expenses had already happened with the helicopter, the ride, the surgeon, ICU. One of the nurses said, is Dan on Aloha Care? And we're like, what's that? <laughs> and uh, found out it's a local insurance for those who live in Hawaii who uh, were lower income. And my sister felt, ah, I should check this out. Doesn't hurt. Of course, he's not going to get on because it's day six. It's not like before the accident. On day eight, I got accepted. 
And there on day eight, we found out that there was a clause that said, if getting, you get accepted by Aloha Care, we will also give you 10 days prior to your acceptance. The total bill for Hawaii and Denver was over a million dollars. And there was no cost like zero. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus is. And I stand here today to just give glory to God and to thank you, thank you, thank you for all your prayers, prayer works. We serve a God who makes good things happen. And as I prayed for you this afternoon, two things came to my heart. And first of all, it's simply this. What God told me as I lied in that bed, I like you. And I want you guys to know it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what situations have happened. Jesus likes you. And it's for real. And then the second thing I want to leave you with is simply this. There is hope. There is hope. Yeah, there is hope. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be traveling and speaking. And that's who Jesus is. So whatever situation you have, that we serve a God of great hope. Amen. Let's pray. God, I just thank you that you're the God of hope. You're a God of great hope. And you're a God who likes us. And whatever my friends are going through this week, I pray that they would know that you're a good God and that you actually do like us. <laughs> you're not mad at us. And I pray, God, whatever situation they face, that they would know that you are a God of hope and that you give hope even when it looks impossible. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. Amen. Wow, <laughs> what, a, what a story. Uh, it, so I was thinking, okay, so how do you close that out? You know, it, the Bible says that we overcome by the blood 